You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our very first podcast of Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin, and I'm here with my compatriots, Dan and Jason. Hey, what's going on? All right, well, this is our first recording um, for all three of us. I don't believe it's our first rodeo in the field of podcasting, uh, but we wanted to get together and start up our own gaming podcast. We have a lot of different interests that we uh, that we have together. A lot of us, uh, we, we've gamed together for quite a while now, and we said, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. Let's talk about it. So, um, yeah, why don't we introduce ourselves to get started? Uh, Jason, why don't you take us away? Yeah, man. So Justin and I, some of you may have heard, maybe not. We used to run a podcast about a year ago on the uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord uh, RPG called Blood and Steel. And we've been playing games together for a while. Myself, Justin, and Dan. Good times. All from tabletop to video game, uh, conventions, all that fun stuff. So just like to play games. Got uh, lots of buddies in the area. I thought we'd just get together and talk about it. Jason, what, um, what, are, what would you say your favorite games are to play? Oh, okay. So when it comes to board games, I like games that are very punishing. So it's like some of my favorite board games are uh, Ghost Stories, uh, Arkham Horror. Uh, right now, Deep Madness is a favorite one of mine right now. So if, if it's a co-op game and it's very difficult to win, meaning like low probability win type games that require lots of strategy, those are my favorite. So Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit harder than that a little yeah. bit harder than that okay yeah. uh, yep right on right on and uh like what kind of genre of like rpg or video games or anything like that do you like playing i love horror games um i love the concept of being able to play in a world or universe where the odds are stacked against you uh you really have to think through creatively to get out of situations i love the threat of uh, demise. Uh, I feel like it makes every encounter more um, exciting and enticing to try to find a solution to. So yeah, RPG games I love. I, I love that. Also, I love science fiction. Um, so it's uh, like the Star Wars RPGs. Uh, we've played a lot of things together. I mean, Dan, we played uh, the Firefly RPG, the very first one that came out. As it was well. so great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we've We've done a lot of these things. Uh, I love uh, Mothership is an indie uh, sci-fi horror. So I think kind of like kind of like Aliens, um, which they have a new RPG coming out too. those kinds of things. Are my I, RPG I have love. a uh, I have a Mothership sticker on my laptop at work and everybody's like, what's the big M on your laptop? And I just say <laughs> it's for Mothership. And then I don't explain anything else. Yep. I go, Mothership, <laughs> huh? I go, yeah, Mothership. And then, and then I leave it with, uh, with awkward silence. Good stuff. It's a great game. I love it. So, and for those of you that don't know, Jason's like a really straight laced guy until you get in his car and he turns on the radio and it's like death metal. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I love like, death metal, death metal, heavy metal, you name it. European metal is kind of the stuff I'm in, like the Norwegian type stuff. Yeah. Like you would yeah. not, you would not guess it. You'd think he'd be just Justin Bieber fan or something like that, but I can assure Ooh. you he is not. Is that what Dang, I like? did, I like a Justin he threw up the Biebs. How do you come back from that? <laughs> That's right. You don't. You don't. It turns over. Dan, why don't you tell us about your stuff? You've been gaming for a long time. Probably okay. the most. 1987. 
So that's a long time. That is a long time. Uh, but I was a young, young lad. Um, yeah. So started uh, with West End Games, Star Wars, and a little bit of D&D. Super back in the day. Before I was playing that, my siblings were playing all the super old versions of the D&D. So he was in the house um, all the time. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, like Jason, I am. Kind of, I start in sci-fi as my genre, and then I branch out to other things. And so... Uh, my IP of choice for sci-fi has largely been Star Wars. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Um, but yeah, uh, played that, um, you know, really in the last 15, 12, 15, 17 years, got into real tabletop, other tabletop forms of tabletop besides role-playing games. So, um, you know, you start off with uh, gateway drugs like Risk, and, you know, with weird versions of Risk and Catan, and then you get into way more interesting board games and, you see all these risk games you have on your shelf, and you go, "I got to sell those on eBay because I am playing that crap." One of, so, one of my favorite things, take Dan, them out back. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, that's> true. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite things is like when you're talking to other people about gaming, right? And they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, I love to play board games. Have you ever played Catan?" And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, cool. It's yeah. a good one. <laughs> that's great." Are all like yeah, I love it. Hey, we're gonna have a game night. We're gonna get the game and pay phase ten. I'm like, no thanks. Oh, that's not a game night. Worst the worst is game Bunko. Ever. If you ever get invited to play Bunko by your spouse or someone, just know that it's a probability exercise and we could work up a spreadsheet in Excel <laughs> and just probabilities and we get worked it out in about 15 minutes. Save us all about an hour and a half of time. And it's great when you come with that. You sit and say, Yeah, let's play this game, but before we start. <laughs> but anyway um so i've uh, recently got into uh tabletop war gaming you know uh, with um x-wing and armada and i've been collecting minis a long time before that and so when when those games came out i i, I jumped right into them and um and just really enjoy gaming there's there's moments when you're gaming and moments when you're not gaming but uh and about non-gaming is always terrible compared to gaming so mm. Uh, I would say, though, the time, the, the things that we make time for about over 80% is RPGs. So yeah. I would say I'm kind of an 80% RPG or 20% everything else. Right on. And so you you guys got to realize that I think Dan um, was really the one that pulled me into a lot of this world of RPG and more complicated board games, believe it or not. Um, cause wasn't it you, Dan, you and Sean Fielding pulled me into that star Wars RPG a couple of years back. Yeah. Right? It's like, you gotta show up, you gotta show up. And then the campaign fizzled on itself. Not long <laughs> after. So, I mean, I don't, I, causation or correlation is not causation. Okay. Like, well, you know, cause I it, showed up, it didn't fizzle out. I just want to point that out. <laughs> it, it wasn't your fault, but the idea was is you caught the bug. And that your interest exceeded the ability of one group to stay together or not stay together. I look yeah. at RPG groups or like bands. People have influences that they like. They get together. They play good music. And it's not permanent. People move around from, from band to band. Yeah, absolutely. So, so listen, I mean, my gaming stuff was always, you know, like Risk, Monopoly, Axes and Allies if I was feeling adventurous, you know. Um, and it wasn't until... Um, I was listening, believe it or not, like maybe, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was listening to a writing podcast by Brandon Sanderson, the guy who um, writes the Way of Kings, and he finished the Wheel of Time series, and he kept talking about how much fun he had in his RPG groups, and so I talked to a friend, and I'm like, 
I want to try doing RPG sometime. And he's like, funny you mentioned that. We've got a group going. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I got an endless stream of just utter crap from my wife about how geeky I was for going to try this, right? And unfortunately, this is one of those things that's now going to be a part of me forever because I absolutely love gaming way too much to it's not, it's ever walk not away. An <laughs> not unfortunate. We all... Yeah. It's a great it, part. It derailed you from point. rugby, which is going to have long-term... You know, you don't want to be playing rugby into your 50s. That's the wrong game for an older man. <laughs> that is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So, uh, yeah, but now, um, you know, I play RPGs. I ran uh, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign for almost two years. Right, Jason? Was yeah. it two years? Yeah, and um, let's see. Oh, about two years ago, I was getting some miniatures for my Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign, and I picked up a box of miniatures at GW. That was a fateful day. I did not realize it at the time, but that got me into painting and hobbying which i absolutely love so i'm doing miniatures all the time and that ended up leading me into actually playing age of sigmar um in the warhammer you know tabletop wargaming stuff so jason and i have been doing a lot of uh warhammer we'll talk a little bit more about that in the show but i would say my time right now is actually split probably 50 50 wargaming and rpgs yeah, and I remember because I've yeah. I've toyed with um, with tabletop war game here and there for a while, and I remember we were doing the Shadow the Shadow the Demon Lord, and you put out these minis once, and they were Chaos Warriors, I think. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, those look good. But I was like, those look like Hero Scale, which a lot of you know, the Games Workshop stuff is kind of Hero Scale style. Yeah, more you know, like thirty-two millimeter height. Yeah. The the yeah. you know the 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 muscles and stuff are a little bit bigger than they would normally be and that kind of stuff. And, and, I, and, and then we kind of got talking and we'd mentioned that, you know, I've tried several times to get in it, but had never really been able to find a community. And you were like, well, what if let's do it together? And you're yeah. like, you were like, I uh, just happened to have bought all of these start collecting boxes on my shelf. <laughs> and if you want one, I was like, okay. And so we got it and we went for it. Yeah, we started that up about a year ago, and we are we are entrenched. Yeah, yeah, we're so, we're going to Las Vegas Open uh, here in a week or two, right? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So have. that's that's going to kind of give a flavor uh, for our audience members out there um, of kind of what this podcast is about. We're going to be talking about stuff in the news. We're going to be talking about RPGs. We're going to be talking about video games. We're going to be talking about just gaming related things. You know. Uh, 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 Wargaming, uh, conventions. Um, I, I foresee a, f a future episode about Gen Con and how to do that right. You know, um, I think that we're going to be talking a lot about some really good stuff that's just gaming in general. So, you know, if one episode, it may not pique your interest, I guarantee you the next one probably will because we're just going to be touching on a kaleidoscope of, of opportunities here. So, right. It's uh, we got the satisfaction guarantee. If, you, if you're not happy with it, you can give us the episode right back. Yeah, that's right. Full refund. Full refund. That's a good deal. I'd like to contribute. <laughs> well, um, let's. Um, we got a good show for you guys today. We're gonna kick off our main, like one of our main regular segments, which is what we like to call Geek Week, and that's kind of some things that we're up to, what we've been up to, and some stuff that we've seen in the news, and then we'll get into some other kind of more in depth stuff. So, 
Uh, Dan, why don't you kick off what your geek week was like this week for you? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, totally got into some different things. Uh, I got a free year of Apple TV Plus and got into For All Mankind and binged that. That's an alternate history of what if the Russians got to the moon first and how that would impact NASA um, and how that would change the space race. And it is Mm. super good. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but um, it's kind of hard sci-fi because it's about real science, but it's also about drama and people and um, people put in tough situations. So as I watched it, there was a lot of RPG GM and thinking of story building that came out of that. It's uh, done by Ron Moore, who did uh, the newer Battlestar Galactica and Deep Space Nine, and, and it's just really well done. So, if you're looking for some interesting hooks and want to and, and want to binge on a on a cool sci-fi alt history show, I'm going to give that a thumbs up. Um, I've been prepping for a small mini Star Wars campaign building out characters, building out NPCs and doing story development stuff and working on the design challenge of saying, I'm not building a a long-term campaign. This is a three episode trilogy campaign. What needs to be done for it, which is, and how do you have a satisfying beginning, middle and end in three Mm -hmm. sessions? Would you say, Dan, would you say that writing like a three session campaign is akin to like writing a short story versus a novel? Um, uh, no, it's just perhaps, well, the thing is with a long-term campaign, you regularly have to continually to come up with something new to challenge the players. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of go into your bag of tricks over and over and over again. It's like, oh, this is the one where we have to do a hike. And this is the one where we have to escape from someplace terrible. In a three episode arc, you can focus on themes and ideas and the conflict doesn't have to be random combat off of a random encounter generator. It's like the reason why there's a combat here is because it has a real purpose in this chapter of the story. And it and and you can manage expectations to say this will come to a conclusion. There'll be a beginning and a middle and an end. And then we're not playing these characters again and we're done. So kind of like a convention game, except it's three sessions instead of... Um, you know, like a longer one session thing, like you'd run as a one shot. So it's a three shot. It's been great fun. The other thing in my geek week is I've never played those stupid games on your phone where you pay money and you buy stuff that gets you better stuff. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, Oh no. no. I was really, I was jonesing for some gaming late at night. Bad things happen late at night. So I started playing uh, EA star Wars heroes. I've Uh only put $4, $5 into it. But man, it has begun. Designed. It has begun. Those oh. games are designed to constantly release dopamine to keep you coming back for more and coming back for more. I vacillated between deleting it off my phone or giving them money, and I lost it. <laughs> Which do just, wait, my- just wait until it's like, you know, at like 2 30 in the morning. Your heroes are now recharged. It's time for you to battle. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's. And, and I was reading all these comments going, yeah, I haven't spent any money on this game. I've been playing it for a month. It stands alone. You know, you don't really need to put money into it. And I hit a wall where I'm like, I need the $5. I got to get over <laughs> this wall. Take my money, please. Uh, the next wall is going to be $10 and 15 and so on. I know. I know. <laughs> if, I, if I have to put another nickel into it, I'm deleting it off my phone. So Dude, that was I'm my at, geek week. Those I'm are bold ex- words right now. 
<laughs> I met a guy once who played Candy Crush, just like everyone else. But I was looking over his phone once. We were out on travel somewhere, and uh, he was like, I don't some crazy high level. And I was like, dude, man, are you, how much money are you put in? Like, he was like, I've never put any money. I'm like, how? Good for him. How is that possible? You know, but yeah. Time good luck, target, good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm in a bad place, guys. I need more real gaming. I need more real gaming. I can't turn to my phone. I need human contact, not uh, not not late nights in the app store. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, Jason, what about you? How was your geek week? Oh, man. Uh, a lot of fun. Well, you know, this past week we went to um, uh, up to Huzzah Hobbies in Virginia, up in the uh, Herndon Sterling area, I guess. A little bit north of that. And we went to an RTT Rogue Trader tournament for uh, Age of Sigmar. So it was a three-game Rogue Trader tournaments for three games, usually in one day. Uh, it's a strength of schedule uh, style tournament. Most of the time, you know, RTTs, when they're this close to big GTs, grand tournaments like LVO, they're pretty much people running kind of the exact same missions that are going to be at the grand tournaments as prep. And everyone knows there. They're all going there for practice. Uh, really great week, man. I went into that tournament. Um, I, I feel like I'm an average Warhammer player. Uh, I think we have a really good community in the area that we live in. There's some really good stuff. The number two ITC-ranked guy, which is, uh, you know, a national ranking. Uh, uh, competes in our area. And I went into that tournament thinking, man, you know what I hope I get to do? I hope I get to play the number two guy. That would be really cool because I really want to learn. And I hope I get to play this other army that I hear is broken because I wonder what it's like to play this broken army. And I got to play, yeah. I got to do both of that. I got to play the number two guy in a game and it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot uh, from it. And he totally beat me. But uh, it was a, it came down to uh, it was a really close game, and because it was a really close game, I was really happy, kind of with my performance, feeling like man, I you know I kind of held my own for a little bit to this guy. I learned a lot. I made some critical mistakes in positioning of my units. I was kind of blocking his, I was blocking the battlefield. He had kind of this real big crutch in his army, and I was I was using my units to keep him from being able to come with that crutch. And I made a big mistake. I I moved a unit just a little bit too far. And he me showing that you know there's a reason he's number two. Right when I moved it, he saw the gap and and was able to kind of deploy what he needed to do to to take the show. So that was that was kind of my my week. That was a lot of fun getting ready for that and uh, getting excited for for Nova Open and the, um the just kind of outside of that, another thing that's been big for me right now is uh, Deep Madness is a game that I've been playing a lot of my house. Um, I don't know if, if you're familiar or not familiar with it. Deep Madness was a Kickstarter game a couple of years ago. They recently went through a year-long, almost a year, reprint, a second print of Deep Madness. And this is a brutally difficult game. Uh, it, think, of like a, think of like a Lovecraft horror dungeon crawl on a derelict science station down on the bottom of the ocean floor. And that's deep madness. So nice. the, the the rooms are constantly flooding. Uh, the madness is taking over your characters as you're losing sanity, and horrors are spawning in every room, and you're trying to break through to get to objectives. And it's just it's a very punishing game for making bad tackle mistakes. And I love it. So I'm just gonna keep keep trying to finish that first scenario. <laughs> but, yeah, Holy no, crap. That, yeah, it's a difficult game, but it is fun. And that's the thing is, it's one thing to have a cool theme, 
but if the mechanics are not fun to play, then I'll move on. This game's theme is fun, and the mechanics are really fast and fun to play, too. So it's it's a great game. We should almost do a second on it once. But anyways, that's kind of been so, the things yeah, in, my awesome. head, in my head uh, this week. Nice. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I was up at the... Um... Rogue Trader tournament with Jason over the weekend. I play Night Hunt, which are all ghost boys, and they are kind of a, what you would call a finesse army. Um, you have to really kind of fine tune your army to do well and really know how it works, and um, basically, you know, play play to it. I also was able to play kind of one of those broken armies that Jason was talking about, and I'm glad I did too because I, I learned a lot as well. Um, and I ended up pulling out a draw against the broken army, which made me super happy. I thought it was a big yeah. win in my book. Um, and then I played another guy who also had the night hunt army. It was a match and I, I won big there. So I was feeling good going into the third game and I went up against an army that I had played before, um, pretty much like the same setup. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling good about this. I, I, I've played this army before. I've played this scenario before. I can do this. The dude was rolling so hot, and he just obliterated my army. Like, completely tabled me by the end of, like, uh, or by turn four. Completely. Yeah. All my units were gone. And I'm like, what happened? So I was asking folks about it actually today, being like, what could I have done? And I was giving them, like, what happened? And they're like, I've never seen that in my life before. That guy was rolling so lucky. <laughs> like, where he should have been doing, like, you know, two damage to me total, he was doing, like, ten. You know, mm -hmm. like, yeah. each turn. So, uh, you know, sometimes the dice gods punish you for being uh, arrogant, I guess, or hubristic, maybe, is what I, what I was being. So, uh, you know, but again, it was great prep for the Las Vegas Open. Um, we leave, what, two weeks from this Thursday. And uh, we're going to have a really good time down there. I'm, I'm getting really excited for it, actually. It's a week from this Thursday we leave, right? No, is it? No. It is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's a week from this it's Thursday. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I have so much painting to do. I do, too, actually. i got to <laughs> paint a little bit. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, the other thing that I has been just totally eating my time. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Rogue Trader another day. But what has been totally eating my time has been Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I know I should be painting more to get ready for the Las Vegas Open, but I just keep saying, like, I want to go back to the Greek islands and, uh, you know, stab some people. Yeah. So that's that kind of like, what I've been doing a lot. It was of. like me a couple a couple Gen Cons ago. It was like the night before Gen Con, we got a 10 and a half, a 12-hour drive ahead of us. It's like midnight, and you pop up, and I'm on Xbox like flying around in elite danger. She popped me like, Hey, yeah, uh, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, we're going to Gen Con tomorrow. I should probably go to bed. <laughs> you guys. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Those video games taking over our lives again. <laughs> Hours ticking away. That's right. So There's better yeah. stuff to do like paint, like paint, paint which paint. I love doing too. But sometimes, you know, the assassin's brotherhood is calling me. So, um, all right. Well, sounds like we all had some pretty fun geek weeks. Um, let's talk about kind of our main main topic of the day here, which um, we were kind of kicking around some ideas. I think on Saturday, Jason and I were. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Before we get into that, we need to talk about some some news, and um, this is kind of some geek news. And I don't know if any of you all saw it, but uh, 
I saw it and Dan was aware of it and it just kind of came up, but it looks like um, FFG is kind of struggling right now. And uh, Dan, Dan, can you give us a little bit of insight on what's going on there? Yeah, uh, news broke that they laid off their entire interactive staff. Um, their interactive group was merged with Asmodee to bring more um, interactive aspects to traditional tabletop gaming. And um, it was a looked like a very useful thing. The Asmo, Asmodee is, is pretty decent apps you know in the app store and 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 steam etc um and it looks like they laid off everyone if not almost everyone in the rpg group and that's unconfirmed from what i've read at this time oh wow and i'm a lot more concerned i i am concerned it is bad that they laid off the interactive folks but i understand what developers cost and i understand the long table long tail of maintaining an app for consumers you have to, it has to financially pencil out but i but the rumor is is they've laid off their entire rpg group um there's no official announcement i'm just purely rumor mongering right now and i'm trying not to do internet hate on asmodee Num number one it's a rumor it's unconfirmed number two if there are people who haven't been fired yet or still in the process how big of a stink do you want to make it and make their lives more difficult or complicated or painful? But um, I'm a big investor into, uh, you know, uh, three of their four main RPG lines, three uh, out of five RPG lines. So I was going to say, I was going to say, Dan, a fantasy flight games, like what do they do in their RPGs? So for those that may not be totally aware of everything that our uh, fantasy flight games has got their hand in. So I think they, they did something pretty unique in the RPG space, and they tried it out when they had, of all things, the Warhammer 40K license, where they did custom yep. dice as a, me as a mechanic. And they're not the only group of folks that have done custom dice, but I think they've, they probably have the biggest market penetration, right? So they lost the Warhammer license, but during the overlap, they took on the Star Wars license. So they have three separate Star Wars lines, Edge of the Empire, which is the Han Solo criminal world, Age of Rebellion, which is you play the rebels and a military focus, and Force and Destiny, which is more the Luke and Vader and Emperor storyline stuff. And it was so successful that they spun off their own generic role-playing system called Genesis, which is the entire game system without anything that's Star Wars IP in it. The dice are very, very, very similar. They're not identical because I think Lucas Disney still has a chunk of that piece of um, IP nonetheless. Um, and then they have a fifth role-playing game, which I hear only amazing things about, which is The Legend of the Five Rings. And I, I was supposed to play it at Gen Con this year, and I didn't, and I'm kicking myself that I, I played an older edition. So they have five really great role-playing games, and really three of those are the same role-playing with Star Wars. But I've bought the entire. I've bought everything off the Genesis line, the Edge line, the Force and Destiny line, and to hear that they fired everybody, even as an unconfirmed, is a real slap in the face to folks like me who have, who are who are sunken and invested and want to see more come out of the company. The I was going to say one of the one of the best things about FFG and their and their art least is that they were very consistent with books coming out i mean it seemed like you know you just get done with you know running a campaign or 
um, using the new supplement that came out, and then there would be an announcement for a new one, and that would come out pretty soon. And I've seen your shelves, man. You've got books upon books upon books. So, you know, they were pumping them out, and they were all really well-crafted and really well-designed. So, you know, not having a staff behind it to keep doing that would be um, really problematic, in my opinion, for the franchise. And, and let me talk it up real quick. The artwork in every book is amazing. Every mm -hmm. book, yeah. they commission at least 80% of the artwork that go, the these full color books, the core books are, you know, very thick. Every page is full color, beautiful paint, uh, you know, beautiful images and paintings that are specifically commissioned. You know, when they come out with what they call a splat book, that's not what FFG calls it, but that's a term, a splat book. You know, they'll commission 10 pieces of art that tell a story throughout that book where you see a character in different phases of the story that would, you know, a character of that class. So if you open up the scout book, you see little bits of what's happening in that scout story. And it, the whole thing is just magnificent. And, and the Genesis system, and they've put out some great books for that too. Android, um, uh, Terranoth, yeah. and some other things. And um, they have cards. Now, let me just say right now, I think Christian... Peterson, who owned the game, who owned FFG and started FFG, was a big fan of innovation. And so what FFG did is they bought a, uh, a, a print-on-demand card um, printing capacity, which allowed them to print niche products based on who wanted them, right? Yeah. So they would put out, let's say, you, you know, if you just wanted the damage deck, you could get a damage deck. If you wanted, uh, you know, the talents for your character... They would print those. Now, that doesn't make sense if you have to go to China and come back with 10 pallets of them. You have to guarantee they're going to sell. So they had a lot of innovative things that they were doing that I was a huge fan of, the things that maybe Wizards of the Coast can't do because they're operating at a different scale. So I, I, I'm a little hurt. I'm trying not to spread internet hate. It's still wait and see. But um, long story short, um, it's really hard to compete against uh, D&D 5th edition and Pathfinder out there. If you look at the hard numbers and even 5th edition and Pathfinder are very small dollars compared to uh, Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and the card-based properties. So yeah. um, there's a 900-pound gorilla in RPG. It's D&D with, with an 800-pound gorilla right behind in Pathfinder and everybody else in the industry has been really, really struggling. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the, the success and the expansion of role-playing and how D&D &D has been really on the front of that. And I hope that the cycle of people discovering other RPGs, there'll be a long tail there where it'll, the, the people getting into 5e means 36 months from now, they're trying out new things in addition mm -hmm. to keeping their yeah. 5e yeah. games going. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something that I think that we need to keep our eye on. So, We'll be uh, kind of scouring the news over the you know next several weeks just to kind of keep you guys updated and and see because I know that um, you know FFG has a lot of board games too and I, it makes me wonder if just the whole company is going to be affected by by this. It was kind of a shock announcement. It seems like everybody's disappointed that uh, the interactive didn't work out and that there's you know ripple waves affecting the rest of the company. So we'll keep an and eye the, on it. The lead yeah. designer left two weeks before all this happened too. Like the head of the studio left. Yeah. 
And that was a bad, bad sign. And one of the rumors is, is this could be a consolidation play to sell the company or dissolve it. So not to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt on there. But um, I just want to be clear with our listeners that 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 could happen. Yeah. Here's a conspiracy thought. Do you think that with, you know, Disney's boosting up of their you know their hold to try to kind of come into these markets like they they've moved in with the disney plus to try to step into the steaming uh the streaming market you think that there's some thought there that they want to kind of go ahead and take over the gaming community whole gaming side the tabletop gaming side as well to kind of pull that you franchise know, back under their uh, own wing i i uh i i can't double down on that jay um, because the, the gaming market is so small compared to the merchandise market. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's just not enough money in it. Um, I know when Lucasfilm people have gone on record when they released X-Wing 2nd Edition, FFG and Lucasfilm were on stage together, and it was a huge love fest. Um, don't know if that's still the case. That was you know a year and a half ago, but uh, or two years ago or something, but... Um, I am, I'm less interested in Lucas because I think Lucas really, from all indication, Lucas has really thought FFG has done a good job, but I don't know how long FFG bought the license for. Right. So the light, the, the, the lifespan of the license goes directly to the value of the company. Mm. Right. If, if FFG cannot go get that license again from Lucas, then they're one of their biggest cash cows on the top three cash cows they have is X-Wing. Um, and that would dramatically change their, their cash position or their, their, their business outlook position. So, yeah, um, yeah that's kind of what I was thinking is maybe it's not necessarily that Disney cares so much about, you know, cause you made a really good point. It's like, I mean, they're going to sell more t-shirts than they probably could any RPG materials just, you know, with a picker of the child on it. So, it's just true. Yeah. It's just and true. So I wonder if it's not necessarily that Disney cares about taking that on so much as it is just, hey, the license is up for renewal. And Disney's like, you know what? This franchise is worth a lot. So this is how much it's going to cost to renew. And and maybe yeah. FFG was like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, th- there's probably, I-, I-, I would be shocked. I- FFG under Christian Peterson did a really nice job of getting fantastic IPs. Mm-hmm. Um, he started off with, um, before um, the Game of Thrones was a big hit, he made a hit out of that IP in a board game before anybody even thought about making a, a show on HBO. And he parlayed that into Lord of the Rings and with Warhammer 40K and eventually Star Wars. And they had a really great track record of supporting these IPs. I don't think Asmodee or their parent company has that kind of track record, to be quite frank. So, um, and now Christian is gone, and the head of the studio is gone, and there's just a lot of variables in that equation. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens here in the near yep. term. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. And um, let's see. Oh, as I was saying earlier, Jason and I were um, kind of discussing about the podcast and and as we were talking about sort of our geek week what came up before was um what we want to kind of do a deep dive into what we're calling our sort of by design which is like you know how you design some of your rpg sessions or gaming sessions and things like that and so what we want to talk about is using technology in some of our tabletop games um so 
When we talk about technology, Jason, what are you thinking that that we mean? Uh, so yeah, so I think there are a couple categories here. One, we see companion apps pop up all the time now, and these are a lot of there are an enormous amount of unofficial companion apps. People that are just making one to help you be able to manage your resources and access an ally or help help you manage your buy turn, buy portion. Right. Uh, and then you have um, apps like, well, we'll just go ahead and talk about the guy on the table, FFG, right, with their dice, their X-Wing dice app. So you have all the dice you ever need right there. Um, yeah. Uh, those kinds of things. So you go from dice apps to, uh, and then there's, you mentioned one, the Munchkin uh, yeah, one to help the you Munchkin kind of, card game. Yep, yeah, to help you keep track of your leveling up and leveling down and all that stuff, right? But yep. then there's also other technology parts that come in. Like, if anyone's ever watched any um, really long uh, strategic games of like Twilight Imperium, you can see the people that are making alliances texting each other under the table with their phones. So you know they're using chat systems to communicate kind of do metagaming. Well, that's not necessarily metagaming, but doing portions of the game um, through technology that wasn't, you know, originally part of the system as well. So right. kind of emergent play uh, with the technology, if you will. And then there's that kind of last, I guess three, the kind of last category that we had kind of talked about was, you know, it's kind of server-based, actual online um, uh, components of, of tabletop. So if you normally role-playing games are played across the table from friends, now you can do that virtually with Discord and Roll20 and those kinds of things and play by posts. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think gamers will always tr- kind of try to find a way, right? And technology has sort of enabled many different interesting facets. We kind of talked about one time, um, actually, Dan, at your place, we played, um, it was a fantasy flight game, Journeys to, uh, to, uh, in Middle Earth, right? Where um, you had the table... Um, board up and your little miniatures up but then we had a screen up in front of us that would tell us like what scenarios were going on or like what you know what to do next and things like that so it was almost a form of um i'm not gonna say augmented reality because that's sort of like pokemon go right but it was like an enhanced reality in a sense of like you're looking up on the tv at what the board should look like even though you're looking down at the table of what the board really was you know, yeah. and kind of yeah. married the two together. Yeah, that's technology as AI as opponent. Right. And um, it's a little rudimentary right now, but it's really fun. In a cooperative gaming situation, if you look at Descent, if you look at other types of co-op games, you're either fighting against a random deck, which is not Descent, uh, Pandemic, you're fighting against a random yep. deck. Descent, you're fighting against one person who volunteers to be the bad guy which is a lot like a classic RPG scenario where you have a dungeon master who says, I'm all the bad guys, but I'm here to make sure you guys all have a good time. Uh, with what Journeys of Middle-Earth does in Mansions of Madness, which does a similar thing, is you hand that over to the tablet, and suddenly everybody in the room is conspiring against the tablet to win. And it can be really fun. And so when I demoed the game at Gen Con, I asked the guy before I bought it, before I got real serious about buying it, I was like, you've been demoing the beginning of this game over and over again for 30 minutes for two days. Are you bored out of your mind? He's like, no, the app changes it up. And that really got me interested because yeah. if it was smart enough 
to give a slightly different experience to the demo guy every 30 minutes, that meant it had some decent replayability. Mm-hmm. It also means that a group who is interested in like playing D&D, but doesn't have one person who wants to buy all the books and learn it and go online and figure out the art of DMing, they could just spend the $99, use the tablet or their phone they already have, and have a very similar experience to an RPG. It's a little more tabletopy. I, I give you that, and there's not dice involved in this game. But but Hell's Bells, that's the game I introduced. Basically, I made every member of my family play it with me for my birthday. <laughs> I would never have been able to get them to play D&D in a million years. But they all signed up to Middle Earth, and they all got the feeling of what that type of experience is. And so I, 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 like, I like AI. I like AI. I didn't play XCOM yet. I've wanted to play XCOM. But I, I am bullish on technology when it comes to augmenting um, a, a cooperative tabletop experience. You know, the interesting thing is, is that um, if you look at Gloomhaven, right? Gloomhaven is essentially the same thing as Journeys uh, in Middle Earth, except it doesn't have that technology component, right? It's procedurally generated. And you just kind of like, okay, this scenario happens, and you look up on a table, and it, it kind of tells you, like, what's next sort of thing, right? Um, and so, again, you don't have to have a D, uh, DM to play Gloomhaven. Um, but I don't know if it's got – and this is what struck me about what you were saying, Dan. I don't know if it's got the same replayability as an AI switching things up versus, you know, you're working off of tables. So, yeah, yeah, and and having the AI respond to how well you've been doing, and I'm not going to say the journeys in Middle Earth is super sophisticated. I haven't sat down mm-hmm. with the developers to talk through all the trees, but I have played through the opening scenario about four or five times now, and it it's good. It holds up. It holds up. Now I've played it four times, and I keep wanting to go further, but um, you know you have to have a different. You know, it depends on what group you're playing with, etc. But um, but it makes it will scale the difficulty of what you're doing based on who's there and what their stats are like. And I just think it's 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 a there's there is a lot of green field for game developers to get serious about games that have AI AI opponents. Um, as soon as augmented reality, as soon as the cameras on these phones can detect what's happening on the board. It's going to get real serious. That I think there's a lot of room for innovation, especially since interacting with human beings in space and sharing time not over the internet has gone gotten so big lately. Um, the I think the the technology piece uh, could be really exciting going forward. I I think so too, and and um, I think there's definitely a lot of room for it that makes it really interesting. And what I, I think what you hit on is um kind of a, a sort of a universal thing you've got um you we've got a lot of people who um are getting into D 5e and there's got to be a dungeon master in there somewhere that's putting together the you know that's either reading from a book or he's or he or she is putting in their um own homebrew campaign or a mix of both or something like that. Right. And when that campaign ends, I know I felt that I'm kind of like, okay, I, I'm done for a little bit. I'd rather just be a player for a little bit. And if there's no one there that feels ready, even feels ready to step up, having something that technology could kind of drive some of that 
um, is a big win, right? Um, and I know that dice roller apps is a big win. I know that having um, having sort of look. I mean, how big was Pokemon Go when it came out like uh, two or three years ago? Right, yeah, it was like, it was huge. Like, I mean, there's people out. I work. I work in kind of a more secured environment. There's people out on our compound looking for Pokemon, and they got in trouble. Like. <laughs> Because apparently there was some really rare Pokemon out there, and security came out and was like, "You guys, you can't be doing this here." You know, we're not so. going to talk about what we do for work, but there's really good reason why you should oh, be playing gosh. Pokemon Go. It was really hilarious. I mean, they were out there, and you could see them through the windows, just like looking with their phones, like derps out there, you know, trying to find these rare Pokemon. But um, anyway, the you know, I, like all of this stuff is really kind of coming about. Uh, there's rumors that like VR is going to be um, ready for with the new Xbox, you know? And I think the ones VR is really like really, really available. Like that's going to probably take off too. You know, I mean, they've got some work to do on making it more uh, mainstream, but I look, I don't think it's going away, you know? So technology is here. I think that it totally enhances a lot of what we do. Um, but let me ask you this. Are there times where technology, like, are we sometimes do we, does it get in the way of a good time? Can technology be a hindrance rather than a help? I think, uh, I think it can. And to, uh, the, a VR is a good example of it. I have the PSVR, um, I have Xbox and a PlayStation. And um, I, there are some games on the PlayStation VR that are amazing games and are super fun to play. But then, you know, I bought a chess VR game once because I thought, oh, this would be really cool. I can like get up and walk around the board and stuff. But at the end of the day, you're literally just sitting in a chair looking at the chessboard and watching the pieces move. And I'm like, okay, after a while, I'm like, I've got to think about chess and my head is getting hot because I'm this thing's on my head. And I just took the thing off and I was like, this is dumb. What am I doing? You know, I it's endurance chess. chess. Yeah. <laughs> can you endure a game of chess? And actually, you know, the whole reason I bought that game is because in one level, you can play death. And he literally, there's a skeleton in a black robe that sits across from you. I'm like, I want to see that in real life. That's the whole reason. That was the whole reason. And I played it for like five minutes. Five minutes. And then I realized I was never even looking at him because I was staring so intently at the chessboard. Yeah, you weren't looking at him. He's going to take your soul. (laughs) But yeah, I think that I I think that sometimes it can get cute. um, But to be fair, I think that it's still very young in terms of its integration with board games so it may be in some areas it may be cute it may be rough but we're still figuring it out and this is just part of the growing pains i think gall Arcana is a great example um great concept it was fun to play but there were some serious technical challenges and hurdles that kept it from evolving outside of business case problems uh, for those for who example, are unfamiliar, why don't yeah. you give them a quick 101 on Golem Arcana? Yeah, so Golem Arcana was like a tabletop war game, miniature war game, except the board, um, the you had a digital pin that was a Bluetooth pin that would connect to a tablet or a phone that would run the, the Golem Arcana app. And the app, you would build your list in the app, and it had, and one of the things was because you use the app, the app is constantly refreshed. Uh, connect to the servers. It keeps it up to date so that when there are point changes for the armies and the units, you know, your lists are automatically updated. You update your list and then you sit down and you literally take this pin and you touch 
the base of the model you want to move, and then you touch on the physical board where you want to move it, and the app knows where you move it, uh, and it actually acts as like an official for the game. It enforces the rules. So it took a it took wargaming, which can be can have very complex rule sets across these games to try to you know simulate the tactical and strategic decisions you have to make and it made it extremely easy to play it's like oh, i want to take this big guy over there you just touch his base and you touch over there and it says you can do that or actually you need to come back one square because it's a little bit too far and okay so you do that and then i want to do a fireball you touch a little symbol of a fireball on the base of the character and then you touch the bad the other guy you want to hit and it would roll the dice and do everything for you and so it sounded like this really great concept i played it with my kids it was a lot of fun and then the hiccup started to happen started to notice the pin was Bluetooth LE, which is not was at the time was not very compatible with lots of devices. There were like a very small number of devices that implemented the Bluetooth LE spec. Uh, so that was issue number one. It's like you may think, well, I got a tablet. Well, it doesn't work on that tablet because it can't see the pin. Then, then there were other problems. The, the fact that the apps would update their points regularly. So you'd, you'd spend all this time building this list. Then you'd go over to your friend's house and an update would have occurred before since you last built your list and you'd go play the game and it would say, your list has now become invalid and it would wipe it clean. Oh. And it's like, now you can't just go over and play. Now you got to spend another 25 minutes burrowing through the point system building your list. And it was like little things like that just kept kind of happening. So on one hand, you could throw darts and you know, apples and tomatoes and say, it's just getting in the way of having fun. But I kind of see it as these are just growing pains as companies are figuring out what what is the right way to do it. Well, let me let me ask you this. <clears throat> uh, you've DM'd before. Dan, I know you've DM'd before. I've DM'd before. Have we sometimes made technology a little too cute for our own players? Oh, I have made so many mistakes with technology. Let me tell you. Um, and this is a low-tech thing. Um, you know, there's different tools out there to do bulletin boards of write-ups for your campaign. And it seems yeah. that when you start a campaign, it seems awesome. You're like, I'll upload pictures of my character and my character sheet will be online. And, you know, we could do all this extra storytelling on the, on the internet that, that complements our campaign. And I, I, I know some people find that really successful, especially if it's a digital only game, but you got to look at the social contract that you've signed with your players. And a lot of social contracts are non. So if you set something up without a, a set, it, without defining expectations, it can go sour really quick. Mm-hmm. Like a GM will say, Hey, if you do a write up, I'll give you extra experience points. That's oh, yeah. one thing. And then what will happen is, or what we found is that one character will have side stories that are happening in between the adventure with other characters and getting in behind the steering wheel and taking over that person's character and saying, Mm -hmm. well, then Sally decided that she was going to do this horrible (laughs) thing. And you're looking at like, I play Sally. I would never do that. You idiot. Um, (laughs) And and so uh, I've seen it like really jump off the rails really fast. I know play by posts have kind of much have a really kind of decent structure that's kind of tried and true to manage some of that. But, but I would never go back and do another online uh, kind of wiki for a, for a campaign. It just, 
I mean, I was doing stuff that I thought was interesting for my character. And I, I was, I was annoying everybody in the group. Jay was in that group. He was annoyed. The game master was annoyed. I was having fun, but then I was ruining everything and like barreling the group into collapse, not knowing it until the group collapsed. So, yep. um, keep the, yeah, thanks Jay. It wasn't, it was <laughs> not just, it was just a weird dynamic. It was all, all around. Everyone so, had an awful time. You know, it's it's funny you mention that because when I ran our Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign, we had our you know uh, company, the Golden Bear server on um, Obsidian Portal, right? And which is essentially a giant wiki wiki site. And Jason, if you remember, like I would give like extra fortune and potions if you mm-hmm. you know because it was a group experience, so the group all leveled up at once. It wasn't like everybody got specific experience points, but you know I'd give in game items that would help them along their journey and stuff. What ended up happening is in the beginning, I think it worked out really well. We had some really cool, interesting posts. People were really thinking about it. And and to give a little bit of context, we um we played once a month, right? So we had we had like four weeks in between sessions. And I didn't want as a GM, I didn't want the um kind of game to get too far away from what happened last time. So, you know, I kind of wanted some, like, reflective posts. Like, what did your character think about what happened? What do they think is going to happen next? You know, like, what are some things that are motivating them? And um, it was kind of an interesting thing because I feel like there were some people who were totally into it. Um, Like, we've got a friend named John who loved actually writing those posts and thinking about it and really kind of developing the story. And then we had other guys. um, There was another guy in our uh, group named Justin who I think was just, like, super busy. And he just wouldn't do it until, like, an hour before the game started. So it was hard for me to, like, I was hoping to find plot hooks or side stories or ways to engage the characters from some of those write-ups. And if I'm getting it, like, an hour before the game starts, it's a little too late for me to to do that. And so it wasn't kind of matching sort of my expectation and maybe from a player side, Jason, like what did you think about it? Uh, I, I, I had both experiences. Um, Cause there'd be times we had a really great session and then I would have a lot of time and I would sit down and I would do character development. And so it was kind of, yeah. it was encouraging me to do character development. Uh, and I think it, it absolutely gave you ideas for, directions that NPCs would go with my character. But then there were other times where I favored kind of this other guy too, where I just had like the craziest month or something. And yeah, I was like, Oh gosh, I've got to get that extra health potion because if I don't, I know it's just going to be rough. And so I would get on, you know, half an hour before the session because everything, yeah. the world was on fire and I'd sit down and I'd type like a tiny paragraph just to get that health potion. Yeah, right. And and I understood that as like a GM. Like I know we're all busy and stuff like that. It's just it like when I started out with it, it that didn't kind of match up with yeah. what my expectations were, I guess, right? And I think Dan, you made a good point about the social contract, right? Which is what do your players expect as well? And that's probably a conversation you have to have before you even get going. Um but I, look, I've uh, I've played um, different other scenarios where we were playing some online stuff and we we're trying to use Roll Twenty, and um, you know we we're trying to use some customized scripts that were in there, and it just wouldn't work, and that really took away from, especially trying to do an immersive campaign or an immersive adventure right when you're like wait which button do i push again nope that was the wrong button oh wait how do i take that off 
you know, and you're sitting here like trying to do IT troubleshooting while you're in the middle of a battle, right? Um, yeah, that's the way to kill the mood real quick. Dice is low tech, and if you're cheating on dice rolls, why, why are you, what, you know, why play? You know, yeah. it's like just go play action figures on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I kill you, infinity. Um, yes. Roll dice. You know, it doesn't kill you to roll dice. Um, it, yeah, some of those things, and I realized that roll twenty is great to get diverse groups, geographically diverse groups, yeah. people that can't you know, don't have the real estate to do a, have a game space in their lives and they have a laptop and it can be a a very nice way to get involved in RPGs. But at the same time, you know, um, if, if it's, if the technology is creating friction, you're, it's hard enough to game anyway. Don't game badly. Right. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I hate to say it. Sometimes it's better not to game at all than to game badly. (gasps) I mean, you and I, I hate to say, how dare you? You and I, Justin, have were in a roll twenty game where it needed to end, um, and there was no easy way out of it. Um, Yeah. And 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 it's not that people are bad, but but you know, make it fun. If you're not having fun, then you're just you you might as well just do an extra three hours at work and make money off of it. (laughs) Right. Right. And um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because um, I tried to use Discord once. We, we were kind of all over the place. I think I was out of town. I was. I was out of town, but we still wanted to have our RPG night. Remember this, Jason? And we decided to do it over Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like the speaking part worked out fine, but I was trying to get like all cutesy and like putting up maps that everybody could see and sharing screens, but it wouldn't show the right one if I wasn't on that screen, you know, and I was trying to look at my OneNote that had all my items in it as well. And so it ended up getting kind of goofy with it sometimes. And I I think I've kind of realized in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to push this technology part too hard, right? Like, why can't I just do theater of the mind while we're sitting here talking perfectly online why can't i say you see a a hallway ahead of you and it branches off in two directions yeah Mm -hmm. instead of like having to throw up a map and having to have little tokens of where you are and where everybody else is and how the how you are moving in relation to the bad guys you know what i mean um just use theater of the mind you know and so i think sometimes when we we try to use technology we need to um think what's the simplest solution here because the simplest solution is probably going to give you the best gaming experience because so you're not of, throwing barricades in the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so we've kind of, we started off kind of saying some things that worked. We've kind of gone to things that, that have not worked and back and forth. I, one thing that I kind of want to just kind of leave my last thoughts on this is that uh, I think where technology works really well uh, in a game uh, with like companion apps per se is when it comes to rules lookup. In, or mechanics lookup. Right. Uh, for example, the uh, the Games Workshop Age of Sigmar uh, companion app, um, where yeah, you can look Azure up app. any yeah Azure app. You can look up any unit in the games War Scroll and see the rules for that unit on the fly. It is so fast and easy in the middle of a game. Just to oh gosh, I can't remember how many attacks this guy has. You pull out your phone, and within ten seconds, you've got the guy's rule set right in front of you. Like, oh, yeah. there are some really that good beats, examples that beats flipping yeah. pages all day long oh, yeah. Yeah. and you don't need it to connect to the internet so if you're right. at the bottom of a hotel convention 
it'll still work, right? Yep. yep. So I mean, it's simple, it's easy, it's fast, right? I think I think when we're talking about technology, like it's got to meet sort of the, that criteria. It, yeah. it enhances what you're doing. It's simple. It's easy. It's fast. You got to be able to take your eyes up back yeah. off the screen quickly. Yeah, because if you're having to wrestle with technology, um, look, we played a game at Gen Con, right? And it was kind of a demo. It's still, it was still in, in, in progress. And we're playing it, and we're looking at the board, and I swear, dude, like, uh, you know, they, they had kind of, again, and sort of an AI-generated scenario. And I use that in the loosest terms because it was really just sort of a look random table on their phone. And, um, but they would, they would look it up, but I swear we spent more time trying to use that app in the right way and then move our guys. than we did actually playing the game on the board. Yeah. You know, it just, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Just watch fun. I mean, if I was going to instruct our listeners, just be honest with each other about what's fun and what's not fun. Yep. And it's okay to try new things because, you know, I think. I, I find PowerPoint really useful when I'm GMing. I can throw up a picture and go, that's what that guy looks like. And everybody goes, right. awesome. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that, that doesn't get in the way of fun. When 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 you're spending fun points and everybody's like, this sucks. Kind of like with Golem Arcana, they didn't understand what was fun about the game and they mm-hmm. did, they couldn't the technology couldn't add to the fun or remove barriers to the fun. The sales the sales point was don't worry about the rules. You've got an awesome mini point at what you want to shoot at we'll worry about the rules for you and it's a really deep game but you don't have to learn it but at the end of the day they couldn't they couldn't deliver on that friction free environment so if you're starting to feel the friction it's a great time to to pause finish up try something else and um take another swipe at it from a different angle um or you know or sometimes just don't double down on something that's not fun don't if you're if it's a if it's a losing bet just say uh, you know, I, the fact that we're all getting on this board and talking about our characters is kind of turns out to not be fun and let's not offend each other, but let's just stop doing it and, and have the role playing game be what happens here in this room, not what happens on a server someplace. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's a great point. And I, I just kind of want to add that I think that we should be pushing the envelope though. Right. And, and Dan, I think you gave what should be the boundaries of, how we should use technology. We should try to implement new things. We should try to implement new ways of doing um, items and really, um, really go for it. I know that like for, I'm going to be running a rogue trader scenario and I want to use discord as like a bridge console for my players where they're typing in information and I'm going to be feeding it back to them as if they're getting it on their screens on the bridge and they can talk to it. My goal is to hope to kind of pull the DM out of the scenario other than me feeding them information. It may crash and burn. I, I'll fully admit this. And there's some serious weak points that Jason and I have talked about, right? Where like mm-hmm. um, I could maybe not get the information fast enough and everybody's just sitting around waiting to know like what's going to happen next as I'm furiously typing on the computer, right? Um, so I think that there's some weak spots, but I want to try. I want to try it. So we may do it one time and say, that was interesting. Uh, let's never do that again. <laughs> you know, Or we may say that actually was kind of cool and it worked out and the technology didn't get too much. So I think we should 
be pushing boundaries as DMs, thinking like, how can we integrate more? But we have to keep thinking like, is it going to get in the way of having fun? Is it going to speed things up? Is it putting an interesting twist on it? You know, I think we have to ask the questions and then ask for some serious, honest feedback from our players, whether they had fun with it or not. And then be willing to adapt. You know, you got to be willing to change. You got to be a big boy. You have to be willing. You have to be in a group where you can share constructive criticism with each other. And just because there's a lack of criticism doesn't mean people don't have it to share with you. Mm -hmm. If you're running the game, you need to be like, hey, that's the end of the scenario. If you want to talk to me one-on-one about what you think worked and did work, I want to hear it. If you want to talk about it in front of the group, you know, without being offensive, let's talk about it now. It's, yeah. it's really important to have those, have those conversations because you, you're not going to – the point is, is to get everybody back together and have fun again, right? Right. And, and not right. go, well, that was a one-off waste of my time. I, I never want to see these dudes again. You know, you don't – or ladies. Sorry, didn't want to be gender biased. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, you want, you want replayability. And, and if you did something that sucked, find out and say, Oh, is it worth trying again? Oh, it is. If I make this change, it might be good. Okay. We'll try that next time. Right. Right. Well, um, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jason, um, for your contributions. Thank you, our audience for listening to our very first podcast of tabletop and beyond. Um, we're going to try and do these regularly. Uh, we know that life sort of gets busy for all of us. And so the plan is, is that we'll have at least two of us every week recording. So our goal is to have all three, but sometimes we're traveling. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes uh, kids, you know, we got kid aggro or even heaven forbid wife aggro. And, um, you know, uh, so one of us uh, may not make it. So as long as there's two of us, we're going to be recording and we'll keep the date. So please um, like this, share this, uh, share it with your friends. Let's build up the audience and um, give us some feedback. What do you guys want to hear about? So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. All right, see ya. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.